thoughts are all against me I'm ready to go Burning it down They ain't noticed Till the temperature rose Bless the energy Then we erupt in a blaze Mama save us I swear the baby's lately crazy Hi, I'm James Anderson Foster And you're listening to Sorceress A weekly podcast of awesome Serialized urban fantasy fiction Written by amazing authors Performed for you by professional narrators And brought to you by SerialAudio.com It's totally binge-worthy Awakened, Paragons, Book One, written by C. Stephen Manley, performed for you by James Anderson Foster. Episode Three. Chapter Five. The memorial service for Matthew James Tucker was held the next day in a large mausoleum a ten-minute drive from Silver Sky. John, the security agent from the day before, drove Aaron and Israel to the service in a black Chevy Tahoe that, unless Israel missed his guess, was armored and fitted with bullet-resistant glass. He thought that was a little curious, but said nothing, thinking that maybe this was the only vehicle that had been available. The weather was clear and cool, but the overall mood was more suited to clouds and chilled mist. The mausoleum was roughly the size and shape of a basketball court with its own parking lot and another of the orb pyramid sculptures just outside the main entrance. This one was made of brushed steel, though, and sported a foot-high flame at its peak rather than a fountain. Inside, there were small niches from floor to ceiling that were about a foot square and deep. Some held small urns with polished gold nameplates below them. The majority were empty. There were dozens of people in attendance, most of them with the appearance of trained, disciplined men and women with more experience at this kind of thing than they necessarily wanted. Israel saw the short bald man, Stone was his name, that had tased him back at the dungeon, but couldn't work up the desire to speak with him. Should we be here? They keep looking at us like we did something, Aaron said. She was right. Israel had caught more than a few sidelong looks and whispered conversations that seemed directed at them. He was one of their own, and he died saving us, Israel said. They're probably wondering if we were worth it. Aaron looked down at the floor. I guess, she said. I don't get it, though. What? Israel asked. Why? Why would he do that? He could have just left. Israel looked at her. Her brow was furrowed, and he could see the genuine confusion on her face. He was a decent guy doing his job, protecting people, I guess, just doing what good people do. Just then a voice echoed through the room. Eyes front, it said, and pay tribute to a fallen warrior. It was Stone. He was standing on a raised platform near the entrance. With the double doors of the mausoleum held open, he was backlit by the blue sky and the flame-capped metal pyramid. On a pedestal beside him was the black and silver urn that held Matt's ashes. Stone placed a hand on the urn as though it were his friend's shoulder instead of his remains. Smoke from the cigar he held between two fingers of that hand curled up and around his face as he spoke. 
Matthew Tucker was a brave lad, Stone said. His life was one of duty, courage, and service. Though the fickle fates denied him a family of blood, I loved him as a brother, and I was honored to have lived beside him through both fight and revelry. I know many here felt the same. Stone's voice was strangely accented, Israel noticed. There was a lot of British English to it, but something else underneath that, some kind of Eastern European, he thought. It was as though he had been born speaking one language and then developed an English accent over that. Stone reached into his black suit coat and produced a large silver flask. He gave the cap a practiced spin and raised it high. To Matthew, Stone nearly shouted in a voice thick with emotion. Save a seat at the table, brother. Stone put the flask to his lips and didn't stop drinking until it was empty. Others stepped up after Stone to speak, tell stories, and remember a man who had been well-loved. Israel and Aaron remained silent and stayed to the back of the room. When it was over, they looked for John, hoping the security man was ready to take them back to Silver Sky. Israel and Aaron were both getting tired of the not-so-subtle looks they were getting. They found him near the back speaking with a pair of women. As they drew closer, Israel noticed they were identical twins. They were both petite, light-skinned, and had the same chocolate-brown eyes and distinguished nose over full wide lips. Both had lightly tanned skin and coffee-colored hair. That, however, is where the resemblance ended. The woman to Israel's left looked up at him through a pair of black-framed glasses sitting on a nose that glittered with a crystal piercing in one nostril. Her hair was long and pulled back into tightly curled dreadlocks that were bundled into a ponytail, extending from the crown of her head. She was dressed in a black lace dress that was accented with silver beads. Silver and crystal jewelry dangled from her neck, wrists, and ears. Her sister, for what else could she be, Israel thought, was a study in opposing style. She wore no glasses, her hair was straight and hung in a well-trained sheet that touched the shoulders of her practical black pantsuit. A single gold chain with a sparkling diamond at the base of her throat was the only adornment Israel could see. Israel, Miss Sims, John said, I'd like you to meet the doctors Michelle and Allison Brandt. They handle all the stuff we need smart people for, he said. The woman without glasses, Michelle, was standing next to John and shot a light, quick elbow into his ribs before extending her hand and saying, It's a pleasure to meet you both. After shaking both women's hands, Israel said, Are we about ready to head out, John? Actually, Allison said, Olivia wanted us to go ahead and get started on your testing. I was hoping John could bring you over to our lab and I could get some blood samples. Nothing too crazy. Israel smiled at her. You're our physician? Allison returned the smile. Doctor, historian, and all-around life sciences junkie, Olivia likes to hire multitaskers. I promise to be gentle. Israel looked around. More than one set of eyes looked away as he turned. Fine, he said. Is that okay with you? He said to Aaron. She shrugged. Whatever. He looked back at Allison. She was watching him intently. Let's go, he said. The doctors had driven their own car, so they left while John, Aaron, and Israel climbed back into the Tahoe. John and Israel sat up front. Aaron seemed to prefer having the back seat to herself. 
Silver Sky, as it turned out, was a 700-acre estate located about half an hour southeast of Atlanta. The northern border of the property adjoined the Panola Mountain State Park and had its own private road that connected it to Georgia Highway 155. John took great pride in informing them that the estate was absent from any map or GPS database. Israel laughed softly. He couldn't help himself. What's funny? John asked. My life has become a comic book, Israel said. Thing is, if I were to write about all this, I'd probably win a Pulitzer. That's not a story you want to tell, Israel. Secrecy is a big part of all this. Yeah, I picked up on that. Why? Aaron said from the back. Why not tell folks what's out there? Lots of reasons, John said. First and foremost, we have to avoid panic. No offense to the journalist in the car, but could you imagine the reaction of the general population if Fox or MSNBC or whoever got their hands on this story and started putting the fear spin to it like they do most things? Think about one of those squid heads you saw splashed across a big screen for all the world to see. Think how Joe and Jane America would react to that. Mass panic. If it bleeds, it leads, Israel said. But it's more than that. The terrifying and the unexplainable appears, and suddenly religions are screaming end of days, politicians are going at each other like pit bulls to lay blame and grab credit where appropriate. Hell, a black president and a health care overhaul shut the country down because nobody up there on Capitol Hill cares about anything but their own agenda. Could you imagine the panic if you start throwing things like this, things that we can't entirely explain into the pot? Israel shook his head. Would it be that bad? He wasn't sure that he entirely agreed with John's opinion, but he also had to admit that it wasn't that far-fetched. How does the government fit into this? he asked. John shifted slightly in his seat. He watched the road for a few seconds before answering. I'm not really supposed to discuss that, but I think I can say this much. There is a government branch that is detailed with handling what they call previously unknown and exotic threats. On paper, they're called the Department of Genetic Research and Investigation, but we like to call them the WSS, Weird Shit Squad. And Sentry does what exactly? Officially, we're scientific and threat analysis consultants. Truth is, we provide the WSS with a certain level of plausible deniability if things ever come to light. Seriously? Aaron said. Doesn't that just mean you guys get blamed if something goes tits up? John nodded. It could. The thing, though, is that Mrs. Warburton has been at this a long, long time. The word is she has enough dirt on the DGRI and various other power players that they wouldn't dare cross her. I get the impression that she's not to be screwed with, Israel said. No, John said. No, she is not. They had come to the outskirts of the city proper, and they fell into silence as John guided them off of Interstate 20, onto Interstate 85, and finally onto Piedmont Avenue and through the downtown district. A few minutes after that, they were pulling into an underground parking structure that was attached to a building that easily stretched 20 stories skyward. A large sign in the front read, Artemis Industries Parking Only. Once they had parked, Israel felt Aaron's hand on his shoulder. He looked back and saw that her eyes were slightly wide, and she glanced nervously outside the car. He understood. Hold up, John, he said. Where exactly are we going? The security man looked over and seemed to note Aaron's expression. After a moment, he said, Oh, damn it, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking. 
You guys probably aren't too thrilled with underground spaces just at the moment, are you? You think? Aaron said. He nodded. Okay, look, he said, pointing. The elevator is right there. There are no less than four security cameras between here and there, plus one in the elevator itself. Those cameras are monitored by actual armed guards, not just recorded. It's broad daylight, and he pulled open the left flap of his jacket and revealed the heavy pistol that was hanging there. I'm packing. He delivered that last line like he was an actor in a bad action movie. Israel noticed a fast, faint smile cross Aaron's face and then vanish. I think it's safe. If they were going to hurt us, they would have done it by now, he said. She nodded, and they all got out of the car. Israel kept a casual expression as they walked to the elevator, but in one corner of his mind he couldn't help but think of the last parking structure he had been in and the deep violet eyes that had been searching him out. When the well-lit elevator opened and they all stepped in, he exhaled a small silent breath he hadn't realized he'd been holding. The elevator took them to the fourteenth floor and opened into a small lobby. A woman was seated at a receptionist's desk with a wall behind her that was covered in textured royal blue wallpaper and flanked by a heavy set of frosted glass doors to either side. A silver, backlit sign was on the wall above her. It read Artemis and was constructed so that there were two backwards-arching arms after the letter S. It gave the overall impression of a drawn bow with the word as the arrow. They stepped off the elevator as the receptionist looked up. She was an older woman with a thick build, dark skin, and kind, playful eyes. She saw John and said, Oh, Lord. The twins said we had people coming in, but they didn't say who was bringing them. John grinned. Lori, my sweet, why would you say such a mean thing to me? You know it hurts my heart. Boy, if I wanted to hurt you, you'd be hurt. Who are our guests? John introduced Israel and Aaron. Lori smiled politely and said to Aaron, I hope this one didn't try to charm you, honey. He's a slick piece of work. Aren't they all? Aaron replied with a blank expression. Lori studied her curiously for a moment and then looked to John. Allison's waiting. I'll buzz you back. And Michelle? Lori smiled. Her office, Casanova. There was a loud click and John pulled open one of the glass doors. As they passed through, Israel glanced back at the receptionist's desk. From this angle, he could see behind the desk and spotted a very large pistol hidden behind the desktop within easy reach for Lori. The doors opened onto a wide T-shaped hallway that extended the length of the floor. Glass-walled laboratories were on either side of the long arm of the T. One was filled with a combination of lab equipment, the likes of which you might see in a medical or biology lab. The other was filled with electronics, computers, and the kinds of things Israel had seen in the only physics class he had taken in college. There was a set of double doors at the end of the long arm of the T and windows overlooking downtown at either end of the shorter arms. In the biology lab, he could see Allison putting on a white lab coat and collecting supplies from a metal cabinet. He discovered he enjoyed watching her move. She was petite, but the black lace dress she wore hugged her shape in the best possible way when she stretched to reach something on the cabinet's top shelf. This way, John said, and led them to the doors that opened into Allison's lab. Here you go, Doc, he said. Two customers for the blood bank. Thanks, John, Allison said with a wide smile. Shell said to send you down to her office. You two don't do anything I wouldn't. That's a short list, John said, grinning. 
Allison made a playfully ugly face at him. John turned to Israel and Aaron. I'm going to be down the hall. I'll come back in 15 or 20 minutes to collect you. After he had gone, Allison said, Okay, who's first? Israel was surprised when Aaron stepped forward and said, I'll do it. Allison said, Great, I'll need to take about five tubes of blood. I'm going to run a variety of tests that will give me both genetic profiles as well as... Allison? Aaron said, interrupting her. You could explain all that, and I still wouldn't know what the hell you were talking about. How about you just do what you need to do? Oh, Allison said. Okay. Israel watched as she directed Aaron to a small stool at one of the tables. The doctor expertly tied a rubber tourniquet around Aaron's arm and had her squeeze a small rubber ball. She had a collection of small tubes laid out neatly on a folded white towel. Israel knew that these would be inserted into a small hard plastic sleeve with a needle in it once that needle was in Aaron's vein. As if on cue, Allison raised the sleeve and the needle shone for an instant in the light from the windows on the opposite wall. The light on the tiny sliver of metal sparked a memory in Israel's mind. Another needle, held by Mr. Stone, dull in the California moonlight and descending toward his neck. He had said something then, apologized and said, Doctor, Israel said, what does awakened mean to you? The doctor froze for a second, the needle in Aaron's arm when she heard the question. It wasn't much of a reaction, but enough that Israel and Aaron both noticed. Uh, um, she said, not anything it wouldn't mean to anyone, I guess. Why do you ask? Aaron started to say something, but Israel shook his head. He was sure she was about to call the doctor a liar, but he didn't think it was time for that yet. Something Stone said when he knocked me out. He said he was sorry, but I had been awakened, and that was why he was kidnapping me. Allison started inserting tubes into the plastic sleeve. Dark blood filled them slowly. That's unusual. Is it? Israel asked. I mean, you guys tell us that we were originally taken by people who wanted to use us for genetics experiments, and then he says that, and now you're drawing blood for genetic profiles. What exactly are you looking for? Yeah, Aaron said, and you can tell us everything this time. Allison finished with Aaron's arm and removed the tourniquet after pressing a small piece of gauze into the bend of Aaron's elbow. Look, she said, you guys are into something here that's, well, insane is really the only word that comes to mind. I've seen the progeny do some horrible things to people. We need to make sure they didn't do something to you while, at the same time, try and discover what makes you special to them. Something to us, Aaron said. Like, put something in us? Exactly, Allison said, looking up at Aaron and smiling. We need to make sure you're safe. Israel noted the doctor's reaction to Aaron's question. It wasn't quite sincere, but he kept silent and filed the fact away for future reference. Allison turned to him. He thought he saw some conflict in those soft brown eyes, but when she smiled at him, he felt his suspicions waver. Mr. Trent? she said, gesturing to the stool. Israel, he said. Her smile widened. Allison, she said. Are you ready? Israel grimaced. That somehow felt like a loaded question. Chapter 6 They're all a bunch of lying fuckwads, Aaron said. 
They were back at Silver Sky. The sun had set a few minutes earlier. Israel and Aaron had taken a short walk on the grounds to get away from any prying eyes or eavesdropping ears. On the ride home, Israel had started to feel mildly feverish, as though he were coming down with something. He hoped the walk would help with that as well. Behind them, the mansion and the landscaping around it were lighting up as night fell. Both Aaron's and Israel's features were cast in heavy shadow. A faint chill grew in the night air. I don't know that they're out and out lying to us, Israel said, but they're sure not telling us everything, and a lie of omission is still a lie. Allison was way too relieved when you accepted her story about keeping us safe. Aaron said, Girlfriend does not have much of a poker face. True. I keep coming back to what Stone said to me, though. Awakened. That doesn't sound like something someone else did to us. For something to awaken, it has to be there and sleeping in the first place. Allison, though, talked about things being put into us. Doesn't really track for me. Israel looked up at the sky as thoughts filtered through his mind. Again, there were too many questions. What? Aaron said after a minute. People lie because they fear the consequences of the truth, Israel said. They're either afraid that they aren't going to get what they want or are going to get something they don't want, punished, judged, whatever. Why in the world does a billionaireess with a strong enough tie to the government that she feels secure kidnapping people possibly feel the need to hide things from a couple of regular Joes like us? No, there is something much bigger going on here, and even though we've been pulled into it, they're trying to keep us at arm's length. Yeah, well, I don't care, Aaron said. I'm ready to bounce. Israel considered that. He could see her point. Whatever was going on, it was a game that was being played between governments and billionaires and secret societies. It was the kind of thing that would roll over and crush workaday people like Aaron and Israel. Still, though, all those questions nagged at him. I get that, he said. I just don't know if I'm ready to go yet. Oh, Aaron said. So the whole watching each other's backs thing was bullshit? No, he said. If you really want to leave, I'll back you up all the way. Hell, I'll drive you home, wherever that is. It's just, there's something going on here, and I want to know what. It's one of the reasons I'm a journalist. I hate not knowing. Unanswered questions irritate me. What, like the whole people's right to know and all that? Israel laughed. No, no, that's an old-fashioned ideal that corporate media is slowly grinding under its heel. This is more about me personally. Why? Why does it matter? These guys are going to do what they do no matter what you and I know. I realize that. It's just... Israel studied her for a second and made a decision. Look, when I was 11, I came home from school one day and found a bunch of people at my house. My mom had died. I found out after the fact that she'd been sick for a long time, but my parents had kept it a secret. They thought they were protecting me, I guess, but all I know is that if I'd known the truth, I would have spent more time with her, just done things differently, you know? Ever since then, I've hated secrets, any secrets. It's not entirely rational, I know, but there it is. Aaron was silent for a time and seemed to be considering Israel's words. Well, sorry about your mom, but that's not a thing for me. I'm just ready for all this weird shit to be over. I'm ready to go home, which is Las Vegas, by the way. I get that, Israel said. Really, I do. I think I need to hang around a while longer, though. 
I really want to know what they're hiding from us. Curiosity killed the cat, Aaron said. But satisfaction brought him back, Israel said with a practiced smile. Aaron was quiet for another moment and then took a slow step toward him. Speaking of satisfaction, she said in a low voice, I've been trying to think of a way to properly thank you for watching my back the last couple of days. She stepped close enough that Israel could feel the heat of her body through the thin fabric of his shirt. Aaron put her fingertips gently at the base of his throat and traced them slowly down his chest. I mean, it's the least I could do. Part of him, mostly below the belt, was insisting he take this alluring young woman with the gray-green eyes up on her offer. A lot. Like the rest of the night, a lot. She was obviously up for it, and it would be a great stress reliever. So why not? Israel took a deep, shaky breath and let it out in a resigned sigh. Why not? Because stress relief was all it would be. He didn't have anything against casual sex, he'd had more than his share back in college, but it always seemed to complicate things with women he was friends with or saw after the fact on any kind of regular basis. Despite Aaron's apparent intention to leave Silver Sky, Israel's gut was telling him that his partnership with Aaron Sims was far from over. He gently took the hand that was on his chest and squeezed it. That sounds like a lot of fun, he said. Not a good idea, though, especially not here. They could be filming us for all we know. Are you sure? Aaron said. Camera won't bother me. Israel gave her a strange smile. Seriously tempting, he said. I guess I'm kind of old-fashioned. Aaron sighed in dramatic disappointment and stepped back. Okay, Izzy, your loss. About that Izzy thing, Aaron held up a hand to interrupt him. I just offered to fuck you, and you turned me down. I get to call you what I want. Israel thought about that and said, Fair enough. How about we go see Warburton about getting you home? They found her after asking a member of the security staff where she might be. A quick radio call, and the woman guided them through the massive house to a spacious office with a large desk, walls of books shelved low for easy access by the wheelchair-bound, a very large LED television on one wall, and a black grand piano opposite the desk in front of a large set of windows. Mr. Stone was in the room, and Allison's face filled the television. Stone stood as they entered and faced Israel casually. There was a slightly curious smile beneath the neatly trimmed beard on the smaller man's face. Stone looked Israel over and said, Hello again, lad. Must say you... Looked none the worse for wear. Israel approached the man and stopped just out of arm's reach. He made a show of subtly studying Stone. Can I help you with something? Stone said. No, Israel said. Just checking you for tasers. Stone actually laughed at this. Ah, oh, mate, there was nothing personal to that. Just doing my job, yeah? Tell you what, I'll show you where we keep the good brew around here and buy the first round. We can call it even, yeah? We'll drink a toast to Matthew. Israel considered it and then said, You're on. Mr. Trent, Miss Sims, Warburton said. I'm glad you're here. Allison was just filling us in on the preliminary assessment of your blood samples. This will save me the trouble of trying to relay the 
scientific jargon. Israel looked at the monitor. Hi, Allison, he said. Hi, Israel. Hi, Aaron. You look good on television, he said. I think you might have missed your calling. He did not miss the smile that crossed Allison's face or the eye roll that Aaron directed at him. Warburton gestured toward a pair of comfortable-looking chairs that were facing the monitor and said, Go ahead, Allison. Again, this is all very preliminary, but I am seeing some unusual activity in Aaron's blood sample. What do you mean, unusual? Aaron said quickly. Allison shook her head. No, nothing to get alarmed about. There are some protein variations that could maybe indicate some genetic tampering, but it could also be a number of other things. I won't know positively for a few days. Days? Aaron said. Allison shrugged. Olivia keeps me in the best equipment money can buy, but it still takes time. Sorry, I don't mean to freak you out. I think that freaked is pretty much where we live now, Israel said. He felt a chill, but tried to keep himself from showing it. The ache in his neck seemed to grow deeper by the minute. What about mine? Yeah, about that, Allison said. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe a bad lot of sample tubes or something, but your sample seems to be contaminated. The slides are just bizarre. Israel stared at the monitor. Allison, if you don't want to freak people out, try avoid using the words your blood and bizarre in the same sentence. He rolled his head slightly, trying to stretch the muscles in his neck and shoulders. The doctor smiled again. Israel thought it lit up the video screen. I guess so, she said. The thing is, you and Aaron got tubes from the same lot, so I'm not sure what happened, but it must be some kind of contamination. So I'm not going to die or grow an eye between my tits or anything, Aaron said. Allison laughed at that. Israel thought it sounded like something that should be coming from the mouth of a young girl rather than an accomplished woman. Not as far as I can tell. Like I said, a couple of days and we'll know more. Aaron looked at Israel and he shrugged in response to her unspoken question. They could always email you the results or something. What's that? Warburton said. She hadn't seemed to be paying much attention to the bulk of the conversation, but now she was focused on Israel and Aaron. I've decided I want to go home, Aaron said, standing. I really appreciate what you did for me back at that place, but I don't like it here, and I don't want to be a part of whatever it is you guys have going on. So if I could get a ride to a bus station or something, I'd appreciate that. Allison and Warburton spoke at one time then, but only for a second before growing silent. Allison gave Warburton a quick nod. That would be a terrible idea, Aaron, she said. The ache in Israel's neck was spreading slowly to his shoulders and back, but it didn't stop him from laughing. Oh, so it's Aaron now, he said, rising to stand next to her and face Warburton. What happened to Miss Sims, and why is her going home such a bad idea? You just said that she wasn't in any immediate danger, and it's not like she's going into hiding. You'll give a forwarding address, right, Aaron? Just as soon as I have one, she said with a slight smirk. There you go, Israel said. There are other things to consider, Mr. Trent, Warburton said. Largely the fact that we don't know exactly the nature of what was done to you. Sure you do, Israel said. We were awakened. For the first time, Israel saw a look of surprise on the older woman's face. She recovered quickly, though, and said, Where did you hear that? Israel nodded towards Stone and said, From him.
back in California right after he electrocuted me. Israel took a deep breath. He felt his heart beginning to race, but he knew that losing his temper now wouldn't accomplish anything. Tell us, Mrs. Warburton, what exactly did the progeny wake up in us? Warburton shot a withering glance at Stone. The bald man just shrugged. I didn't think he heard me. Okay, Aaron said. Before anyone says anything else, I'm going to go. The less I know about this shit, the better off I am, I think. Warburton turned her hard look from Stone to Aaron. You can't run away this time, Miss Sims. Aaron's eyes grew wide. What did you say? You can't run away. I've read your file. You always run from your troubles. Foster homes, responsibilities, legal tangles. Even if you leave here, where are you going to go? Back to the strip clubs? The brothels? You'll carry this with you no matter what. You can't run. Aaron's face contorted into a mask of anger and humiliation. Her complexion grew red with rage, and she started toward Warburton, saying, You fucking crippled cunt! Who do you think— Stone intercepted her long before she could reach Warburton. Let's all just calm down now, he said. You too, Olivia. Aaron slapped at Stone's hand, but he seemed to hardly notice. Get your fucking hands off me, you— The rest of Aaron's words were dulled by a rushing sound in Israel's ears. His heart was racing, and he could feel sweat beating on his brow and the back of his neck. Dimly, he saw Aaron screaming into Stone's face. Under that, he was aware of Allison's voice. Was she saying his name? He thought so. He moved to help Aaron calm her down, but his limbs were so heavy. Suddenly, Stone grabbed Aaron and pushed her backwards. Israel thought she would fall, but two dark-suited men were there to catch her, one on each side holding her arms while she struggled. They were big guys. There was no way Aaron was getting away from them, but that did not keep her from fighting them like a trapped wildcat. He managed to raise his hand. He thought he was telling them to let her go, but he could only hear a dull smattering of his own voice under the static rush in his ears. The finger he was pointing swayed drunkenly. Aaron started biting at one of the guard's hands. He shook her hard. Stone tried to grab one of Israel's arms, not an attack, but more for support. Israel shrugged it off and tried to move toward the guard who was shaking Aaron. The room swayed a little around him. Aaron screamed in rage so loud that it pierced the rush of sound in Israel's head. Then, in the space between heartbeats, Aaron was gone. The man who had been shaking her continued the motion for a second more before he realized he wasn't holding on to anything anymore. The other guard staggered off balance with the sudden loss of Aaron's weight to fight against. Everyone else was still and silent. Israel staggered drunkenly and nearly fell over one of the overstuffed chairs. That seemed to snap everyone into motion. Israel could see both Warburton and Stone shouting, but he couldn't understand what they were saying. Arms swept up under his and supported him as he staggered. Even as his vision started to blur, he kept staring at the empty space where Aaron had been. The room shifted and spun around him as he was lowered to the floor. He tried to speak, but wasn't sure his mouth was moving. Stone and the guards knelt over him, one with two fingers at his neck and a grave look on his face. Beyond them, he saw Allison's face on the monitor, staring wide-eyed at what was happening. He thought he saw a tear in her eye. Then 
Israel Trent died. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sorceress as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Remember to come back next week or subscribe at SerialAudio.com so you never miss a new episode. You can learn more about this podcast and other serialized fiction shows by visiting our website at SerialAudio.com. That's all one word, SerialAudio.com, where you can subscribe to this and our other shows via RSS, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast players. While you're at it, if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends. Even better, if you have a few spare seconds, leave a review on iTunes. To help support this show, sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash serial audio. You'll get early access to episodes ad-free and special bonuses like behind-the-scenes author and narrator interviews. Thank you again from all of us at SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy. Cause we warriors. Cause we warriors. Let's go.